again. What's up? How's everybody doing? Woo! It's good. Awesome. I can't tell y'all how excited I am about this series. Uh, really, truly, I, I know y'all have heard me say I'm excited before, but um, something happened this week, and God changed my message after it was already done, and so I'm going to give you what I had already next week, and that's why I'm so excited. It doesn't happen, happen often. I try not to do that to the guys, but I really believe today some of you guys are going to leave here different than when you came. And, and I, just, I, I just sense the Lord's presence, and I know he's going to do something, so I'm so excited. Let me just say, if you're a guest with us today, man, we're pumped that you're here. If you haven't been in a long time, or today's the first time, thank you so much for coming, and uh, let's just jump right in. So I, I got a question. How many of y'all pay attention to guardrails when you're driving down the road? Like, you, you notice them. You notice them. Some of y'all notice them, right? I honestly, when I was planning to do this series, I, the, the truth is I don't ever pay attention to them. I don't ever pay attention to guardrails at all because you just kind of know that they're there. And you might even see them, but it's just kind of one of those things, right? You, you know that they're there until they're not there and you need them there. So truthfully, how many have, it, have any of y'all ever hit a guardrail? You ever banged into one? A couple people, right? There was five in the first service. There's like six or seven in this service. I've never hit a guardrail before. Never hit a guardrail. But when I was, uh, when I was 18, 17, I'm sorry, 17, senior year in high school, First game of the season, I had transferred to Southside Christian from Burns, and we had our first basketball game, varsity game of the season. And so instead of driving to Greenville and then taking the bus and then driving back, I just drove to Landrum and back because I lived in Spartanburg. And on the way home, I had a Mustang, and it was absolutely pouring rain, downpour, awful, like the rain that you can't see right in front of you kind of rain. I'm driving home. I'm going like 55 and a 65, and I'm really – I don't get scared a lot. I was really concerned because I was like, this rain is terrible. And if you've ever driven a Mustang that has a pretty good engine in it, it kind of gets a little bit slidey on you and wants to swerve out. And so all of a sudden, I wasn't going fast. I didn't hit the gas. I didn't hit the brakes. My car just completely lost control. And I remember the feeling of spinning around and around and around and around at least four times, right? And it, that is not a good feeling, by the way. And then going down in the ditch on 26 right before the mall, like heading toward Columbia. And there's guardrails there now. But in 1997, in the fall, there was not guardrails. And I was down in it. And I remember, even though my life was flashing before my eyes, and if y'all have ever, like, spun out before, you know, like, time kind of stands still. You know what I'm talking about? It's weird. And, but I remember seeing a massive truck coming toward me. So if I go down the ditch and back up, I'm going to hit this massive 18-wheeler. Or, even just as good a news, there was a family, turns out there was four of them in the car, and I ended up stopping about 100 feet from it, but I could see a car in the ditch coming the other way and done the same thing that I had done. And so none of this is good, right? This is terrible circumstances. By the grace of God, I walked away. God, um, my dad came and pulled my car out, and God protected me. If you want to believe it's anything other than that, that's fine. I'm convinced beyond any doubt that God protected me that day because I should have died. For all intent, if I would have hit the truck, you can guess what would have happened explosion if i would have hit the oncoming car there were kids in the back they probably unbuckled their seatbelt because you don't think about it right you're you're out something awful could have happened disaster is around corners and listen the, the the purpose of a guardrail like the definition of a guardrail what they are intended to be are definition of a guardrail a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limits areas so like you don't put a guardrail Right? You don't put a guardrail if there's nothing in danger. So guardrails aren't everywhere, are they? But, but they're a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into places that are scary, like bridges, right? 
When you look down and there's a bridge, I, I don't ever think this, right? You're going over the Cooper River Bridge or something in, in Charleston or, or the, the other Ravenel Bridge, the great big awesome bridges that we go over and some people are scared of heights and so they, they get scared and they hide and I'm looking over trying to see over the side. But we don't ever go, thank God, there's a guardrail there. Because it's a system, and like it, we're used to it. And when we go around curvy roads, I don't think to myself, boy, I'm glad that guardrail's there, until they're not there, right? Y'all have been on those roads that they're not there anymore, and you're going up to the mountains, and like you've you got a cabin or something, and you're like, oh my gosh, my, it's tight, and I'm about to make diamonds because, uh, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, it's terrible. And you're like, I don't ever think about it until it's not there, but uh, it needs to be there, because I'm in danger. Like, and that's the whole point of guardrails, period. It is a system that our government has and the individuals have made to protect their buildings, right? They put a guardrail up or different things like that in place for protection of the danger that lies on the other side of it. And so in life, personally, this whole series, this whole series is for you. Starting with personal guardrails and then going to what is my responsibility as a church, and as individuals, what is our responsibility to help others with guardrails? And what are we supposed to do? And so today, I have to consider what it means to have a guardrail. What does it mean for me in my life to have a guardrail? Because listen, this isn't talking about sin. Make sure you understand this. This is not a message today where I'm blasting you about what you don't need to do and what you need to do. That is not what this is about at all. What this is about is if you follow Jesus as your Savior. So you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. There are certain things that we should do to prevent the absolute danger that's around the corner. And this is the, this is the personal definition that I'm going to give you of guardrails. It's a standard of behavior, standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So just like guardrails when, I'm, when it's driving down the road and it's not something that I go, oh, they're there. They're there and I don't even have to think about them. It is a standard of behavior that I have set in place for myself that I have set in place for myself that become a matter of conscience because I know they're there. Sometimes, watch, sometimes if I bump into them, I know that they're there. Y'all with me? If you hit a guardrail, you don't go, I wonder what that was, right? You're like, I just hit that dude and that bounced me off. But listen, and it causes a little bit of damage, doesn't it? But most likely it's going to save your life because what's on the other side of that guardrail is awful. It's dangerous. And listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my argument for you today is that if you look back at your regrets and the awful decisions that you've made, if you look back and you'll just start writing them down, the truth is that almost every time, if not every time, you didn't have guardrails up in certain areas of your life. Because no one ever wakes up one morning and says, you know what, I hope I screw my life up today. I hope my life is completely screwed up where it is just a wreck. No one does that. No one Crazy people don't even do that, like me. No one does that, right? You don't wake up and go, I hope I screw this thing up. But we don't do anything to prevent it. We don't do it, put a system in place in our lives where we don't screw up. We just look and go, how did this happen? I want to show you a testimony today of a guy that we call Pappy, Gerald Davis. Is, he runs our camera. He's, the, he's one of the nicest men that I know. Like when you talk to him, you're just like, this is the meekest person that I know. And he had, he had a really really rough time in his life for a long time, for a long time. And so over the next two weeks, I want to show you what it looks like, why we need guardrails, and then what it looks like, why we need to help others walk beside them. If that is you in your life, that is what next week is for. You don't want to miss it. 
This is what we're supposed to do as Christians. But today, I want to show you this. Before I do, I just want to say this. If you have a, a child that has gone a little crazy, they've gone off the deep end a little bit, or if you've gone off the deep end, and you've walked in here today, and you're like, Pastor Mark, man, if you knew the stuff that I did, here's the awesome news. You're never, did you hear that last song, how awesome worship was today? There's never a place you can stray. Never. That's too far from God. Never. Don't give up. Don't give up on the people in your life. Don't give up. And I want you to see Pappy's testimony. Watch this. Good morning. My name is Gerald Davis. I want to take a few minutes this morning to share some of my testimony. It kind of starts out at a, a young age. At 13, I accepted the Lord in a little small church in Alabama. But you know, at 13, you have no clue how to live like a Christian, you know. I didn't have anybody to step there beside me and walk me through being a Christian. Uh, so it was just several years after that, I fell into addiction. And in my addiction, those years, uh, we're talking about 30 years of addiction. And I don't think I have to tell you exactly how far down in a deep black hole that I went, but uh, it, it was bad. And at that point in my life, I destroyed everything, everybody. I lost jobs, I lost marriage, I lost my family, friends. Uh, my family actually disowned me. You know, I got I got a page, six-page letter from my mother stating that I was uh, I was dead, for me to not contact them anymore. At that point, I was hopeless. When you're hopeless in your life, you can make some decisions that, uh, that can really change your life. And uh, at that point, I, I actually decided I didn't want to live anymore. So uh, I did. I tried to take my life several times. And God intervened each time. And I was thinking, why, Lord? Why would you... Uh, why would you intervene in a drug addict, alcoholic like me? You know, what's the purpose? You know, and, uh, I found myself on the streets in Greenville, homeless, living under bridges and houses, and uh, really, again, just hopeless. <clears throat> At that point, uh, I was sitting on a little brick wall one night, and it's this gentleman walked up, he was an elderly gentleman, he walked up to me and uh, he said, son, you, you look like you could use some happiness. I said, well, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And he pulled out of his pocket a little pocket-sized New Testament and he handed it to me. He said, you ought to spend some time in this New Testament. And of course, I knew the Bible and had read the Bible several times and throughout my, even my addiction, I read the Bible. But as I sat there on that wall, I, I opened it up in the first book in the New Testament, of course, is Matthew. And I just was reading, and, you know, I got to chapter 6, and read through chapter 6, and I got to chapter 6, uh, verse 24, you know, where you can't serve two masters. You'll serve good or evil, one or the other, and you'll hate the other. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, went on to 25, and it talks about worry and anxiety. And I started reading there, and I was like, 
instantly getting through 25 to 34 I was you could just I could feel the heavy weightness lifted off my shoulder and God was intervening in my life right then and there that very moment I want y'all to make sure that you come back next week because the end of Pappy's testimony is, is amazing and I don't want y'all to miss it. And uh, so we'll show back a little bit and then we'll finish it. But, but here's the point. Uh, throughout all of time, people have struggled in this area and it happens because we are aimless or hopeless, is, to use Pappy's words, and we just go around and we assume that we're going to be okay. And, and Paul... Uh, in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul addresses this exact situation with, with the words that I'm going to read to you in just a second. But listen to this. Ephesians, or Ephesus, the book that he wrote, Ephesus was one of the most amoral places that has ever been. So like when you read stuff today and you're like, yeah, America's terrible. I don't understand all that stuff. When, when you kind of get what Ephesus was like, you understand. So, so for example, uh, religious people, it was, it was a common practice to have multiple affairs like inside the church and it was accepted and we think about that today and if I said it was okay for y'all to do that y'all would be weirded out even if you were doing it you'd be weirded out by it and so it was it was common practice to just be filthy immoral and Paul steps in right here and says listen you are not living like you should stop doing these things you are living an aimless life like Pappy said and, and so this is what I want you to get today as we, as we open Ephesians chapter 5. And by the way, this is a couple verses before Desperate Housewives part. So if you, if you were there for this, then it's right before mutual submission. Submit yourselves one to another in honor, honor of the Lord. It's, it's the few verses right before that. So it's really cool how it ties in. But listen, this is the key. If you live an aimless life or think you're going to hit a target without a dart, it's impossible. Or at a gun, it's impossible. You have to aim for something. And I really believe that's what Paul's saying here. So I want to give you Paul's words, Paul's words specifically of how to set guardrails in your life. So I titled the message, Paul's Guide to Avoid Ditches and Pitfalls, stuff that's in our life. Paul's Guide to Avoid Ditches and Pitfalls, excuse me, and make guardrails happen, right? How to have these things happen in our life. So it becomes a matter of conscious where, where it's not something that I have to think about all the time, but it's what I'm going to do because, listen, we're all 30 seconds from stupid. If you believe you're not 30 seconds from stupid, this is not going to be the church for you because I'm going to tell you the truth. We are all 30 seconds from doing something so stupid it wrecks our lives because there are ditches and pitfalls in all of our lives and we're all 30 seconds from stupid. So the goal today is to put up guardrails, not to, not to live a life that is, that is boring or dull, but smart. Listen to what Paul says. Number one, watch where you step. Watch where you step. Verse 15, starting in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk. Watch where you step. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days that we're living in, to Ephesus, but to us today, right, are evil. Look carefully how you walk. And don't be, don't be unwise, but be wise. Watch where you step. So, how many of y'all have had a dog, truthfully, or you own a dog right now, like most of us, right? Uh, Lee and I don't currently have a dog. 
uh, our dog went to be with Jesus, but uh, we had a couple for our first nine years of marriage, and I, I missed my dogs, and whenever the puppy that is in my house now that is actually human but is two years old grows up a little bit, then we're going to get another one. But y'all know that when, like, you let dogs outside in the morning especially, right, they go, and I don't know how they know to do this because it's crazy, but they go outside, and they go to the same spot, don't they? The same spot. And they don't just pee, but they drop the deuce, right? They go number two, and they, they drop, so the missile's on the ground. And then, like, so you don't go out and clean it up in the morning, right, because you're not worried about that. And so it happens again. And it happens again. And it happens again. And it's piling up. Y'all with me? And it's happening everywhere. And then you invite your friends to your house. And you forget about the missile pile. And you and they're going outside and right, we're playing cornhole, we're hanging out, and they start walking toward where your dog hangs out. And if you got two, they're hanging out together, right? And you forget all about it. And you're like, oh my goodness, watch where you step. And they're like, Why, wow, what's up? It's just your backyard, and you say, you're fixing to get some stuff on your shoe. It's the poo on the shoe, right? Because it's going to get crazy. So watch where you step. Be careful. And all of y'all know what I'm talking about because y'all have stepped in poo before, right? You got to watch where you step when you got dogs in the backyard. And especially, I don't, you got the really green grass. Be careful around that stuff, right? Because that's where they go, right? Watch where you step. And like, here's the point. He's, he, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, just be careful where you step. He says, don't be unwise about what you do, but be, be smart. Be wise about what you do. And so, and so I want y'all to just think about this. Watch where you step and be wise. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you that have been divorced on the day that you got married said, you know what, I hope, and your spouse said the same thing, I hope I get a divorce. That would be incredible, right? No one does that. No one does that. No one. No one has ever on their wedding day woken up that morning and go, I hope this marriage fails. It would be awesome if my marriage would fail. So no one wakes up one day and says, I want to screw things up. I'm telling you, Pappy didn't wake up one day and say, I hope my life spirals downward. But he lived aimlessly. In his own words, he lived aimlessly. He did not watch his step, and he didn't live wise. So so here's here's where the guardrails start, right? Here's where the guardrails start. Put them up. Think through this. Put them up. You can't, it is not good enough. But like, for example, me. Like I've been trying really hard to lose weight. For the last 10 days, I'm like Oprah. I've told y'all that before. I can lose weight in a skinny, but I'm also really good around, let's say, November to start gaining it back and put on my winter coat. So whatever, it's good. And you just gain it, lose it, gain it, lose it. It's awesome. But, like, the purpose of losing weight is not just to lose it, to gain it back. I shouldn't have ever gained it in the first place, right? I didn't put a system in place for weight loss. I didn't put a system in place for weight loss where where I just never gain it, right? Like, when I was skinny in high school, like most of us are, playing ball, I just thought I was always going to be skinny. I could eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, eating snacks, and I'd just always be skinny. That doesn't work, does it? Some of y'all are like, nope, amen. And then you skinny people, we don't like you. But anyway, uh, I didn't put a system in place. I just assumed that everything was going to be okay. That is walking aimlessly with my body. That is walking aimlessly with your marriage. And if you do anything, anything in life that you don't set parameters up for and walk wise, and you don't watch where you step, there's, there's traps. There's, there's crap all around you, right? And it's not dog poo. It's real life stuff that hurts. It's hard. The problem is we just all think it's going to be okay. Listen, it's not going to be okay. 
I don't want to preach a sad message and a down in the dumps message. I want to tell you the truth. It's not going to be okay. This is what I think Paul was telling the people of Ephesus right now. You're living a morally sinful lives and you come in the church. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. You've got to not only want to change in your heart, but you've got to put some parameters up. You've got to put these dudes up right here in your life. They're not to be annoying. You don't even notice them. Listen, every person in here, none of us are Jewish, I don't think. So I don't see any yarmulkes. So I don't, none of us are Jewish and I think we're good, right? So we're all Gentiles or Greeks or, or we're people that are freed because of Jesus. So there's freedom in Christ. You're like, so why would I put up these, these, these blockades? Because all this in here is awesome. It's when I get on the other side that I'm in danger. I can do whatever I want to when I'm inside these parameters, when I'm inside my guardrails. But immediately when I start walking over it and I start towing the line and I start living for me and doing whatever I want to do, I'm in danger. I am unwise, to quote Paul. I'm not being wise. And that's not good. So the first thing that I've got to do, first thing I've got to do, if I want to live a life of freedom, the best life ever. People are like, how? Tell me about this peace. Listen, I said a prayer one time. I don't get the peace thing. Well, you're probably living outside these, these guardrails. So I, I want the peace, Pastor Mark. Tell me, tell me what to do. Watch out for the poo. <laughs> Watch where you step. Number two, number two. Embrace what you know God's plan is for you. Now, this doesn't mean embrace what you know God's plan is for you. Is, is, I'm not telling you you need to go be a missionary in Haiti. Some of you may. That'd be awesome. Man, we support you. We'd be so excited. That's not really what I think Paul's saying, saying here. What I think Paul's saying here is, guys, for every follower of Jesus, and if you're not, I want you to stay with me and listen, but this really isn't as much for you if you haven't trusted it, but we're going to get to you in a second. Every person in here would say, Pastor, I have trusted Jesus. I am saved. If so, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you know what's right, and you know what's wrong. This isn't sin. This is playing with sin. If you're on the opposite side of the guardrails in your life, the matter of consciousness that you've put up because you know on the other side of that is danger for you, then you're just playing with fire and you're trying to get hurt. And this is what Paul says in the next verse. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish. Don't be unwise, right? Be wise. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is for your life. Understand what the will of the Lord is for your life. Embrace, embrace what God has called you to be. And listen, I will never be, I will never be everything that God wants me to be if I'm living outside of the area of freedom that he's given me. Listen, this is good news today. I have freedom in Jesus Christ. The bad news is so many of us look at that freedom and much like Eve and then Adam after her say, I can eat all of this fruit, but I want that forbidden fruit that I cannot have. And he is saying, do not be foolish. You don't need that junk. But understand what the will of the Lord is. I don't, I don't have to explain, right, how crazy the world is. I don't have to, how to, I don't have to explain all that when a tough place it's craziness going on. I don't have to explain why we should put up parameters. But I do need to explain what that looks like, don't I? I do need to explain that. So, for, for instance, um, let's say y'all watch TV and like the teenagers, and it can be any show now, it can be even Disney Channel, 
um, any of the channels when you got a teenage girl talking to her mom. This is my favorite conversation ever because if my daughter does this, she's getting a sumo kick to the teeth. It's going to get crazy, right? And then the boy is really going to get sumo kick, right? But, but this is the conversation, and I just want to scream. I'm like, seriously? Mom, I really love so-and-so, and I just really want to sleep with him, I think. So what do you think? And the mom goes, well, do you feel like it's time? What is that? Right? Or, or does no one else go, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard? So, so this is free for all you ladies. This is the man's message. When I hit puberty, I felt like it was time. All the men need to say amen right now, right? Because we all were ready to get crazy that day. And if any dude in here says they're not, we need to go pray and ask God for forgiveness because y'all know that it's true. So if the whole, if the whole issue is when I think I'm ready, I thought I was ready when I was 13, boys. I'm just, I'm telling y'all that right now, right? So that's not a good guardrail because I was past the guardrails at 13. Gone. I was unwise if that's what my parents had told me. By God's grace, they didn't. They taught me what scripture says. They taught me Paul's words. That sexual morality is wrong. That any sex outside of marriage is wrong. And by God's grace, I didn't have sex with my wife. And she's the only person I've had sex with in my life. And I didn't have sex with her until I was married. But it's only because we had guardrails and we had good parents that taught us this is what you're supposed to do. Listen, they don't always work. Sometimes we, hit, sometimes we choose to go over to guardrail. Sometimes we wreck into it and it's a disaster even hitting a guardrail. But I promise you, listen, promise you that if you walk aimlessly, you're going to step in it. If you walk aimlessly, you're going to step in it. And if you don't care and don't embrace what God's called you to do, see, it's because the opposite of embracing is just to kind of step back and just be aimless. And I, I'm pretty sure that's what Pappy said is hopeless. He, he, he just walked around, didn't have any hope. Aimless living gets you wreck, disaster. But guardrails prevent disaster. And this is the part that I think is cool is Paul, then after this, gives us a specific example of a, of a guardrail. He says set, I'm saying, set guardrails to prevent disaster. But Paul gives you an example of what a guardrail looks like. And this is going to shock some of you. Some of you may even be offended by what I'm about to say, but I really believe it's scripturally based. And I'll explain it in just a second. But this is what, this is what verse 17 says. Therefore, do not be foolish. I'm sorry, verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine. Y'all have heard this scripture before because if you grew up in church, people have like thrown it at you. You're not supposed to get drunk with wine. It's really cool if you use it in context, right? Do not get drunk with wine for that leads to debauchery. Truth, just honestly, I need to know this because it's important to me. How many of y'all ever use that word in a sentence, debauchery? Seriously? I'm so impressed, Beef. I, I didn't know what that word meant, so I was like, I probably should know this before I preach it because it just seems like a big word that I only use in Ephesians chapter 5, right? So I've never used it before. I'm going to get to that in a second. Do not be drunk with wine for that leads to a loss of control. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, the English Standard Version says, for that is debauchery. But the NIV, the New American Standard, the New Living, all those say leads to. And I believe it's the best translation. Actually, the New Living says, do not get drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Because that will ruin your life. Now, let me make sure you understand this. Set guardrails in your life. Drunkenness was a guardrail. Like, everybody in that culture drank. And it's so interesting to hear people that are uh, teetotalers and they say you shouldn't ever drink to 
to argue this verse because I just wholeheartedly disagree with what they're saying. I'm going to say this, okay? This is just free that I'm throwing in. I've never seen alcohol get brought into a situation where it helps. Like, I've never seen a marriage on the rocks and they were like, Pastor Mark, I started drinking and, dude, it changed everything for us. It was amazing, <laughs> right? So I'm not arguing that I think alcohol is good. I'm arguing that I don't think alcohol is bad. I'm arguing that this does not say it is a sin. Matter of fact, I'm arguing that this doesn't say drunkenness is a sin. I'm saying that what it says is people that get drunk lose their minds, and it doesn't lead to good things. So the drunkenness in itself is where they're butting against. Listen, if you have a beer in your house and you're not an alcoholic, explanation, if you have to have a beer every day, you need to cut that crap out. You're a drunk. I love you from the bottom of my heart, but if you can't go without it, you're a drunk. Just like if you, several other things. Anyway, that was free. But if you have to have anything other than food and water, it, it, it consumes us and you lose control. And you know you, so I'm not mad at you. But drunkenness, if you're on a cruise and you have too much of the free stuff, that's stupid. You probably shouldn't do it. But you're probably not going to lose your marriage, right? But when you get drunk constantly, and this is my guardrail, and I cross the line, and I start living for me, and I start doing whatever I want to, and instead of knowing where that guardrail is, and it becomes a matter of conscience because I'm not going to cross over it because I'm going to think about it, I just start towing the line, right? That is the picture of the Christian church today, straddling the fence, isn't it? That's all a guardrail is. It's the fence. It's what keeps us in line with being what God wants us to be. And for so many of us, we lose control. We lose control because we think, you know what? I'm safe. And y'all, the road is icy and dicey and scary. And for some reason, we believe we're good enough to handle it. Nope. I'm sure not. Listen, there's areas in my life. Let me just give you another example. There's areas in my life like pornography, computer. I hear people say the internet's terrible. What? The internet is one of the coolest things ever invented. I use it literally every single day. I study with that with the internet and it is it cuts down time for preaching having to find books and only highlight stuff from there in a third maybe a quarter i could do it in what it used to be there's such great things on the internet but for my life to be wise we put up blocks so like right now if you try to get on a pornographic website in this church right now on our on our public uh site that you or four points thing that you can get on right now in the church it blocks you does that make me weak i don't think so i think according to this it makes me wise. I think that makes me wise, not weak. I think there's a big difference between weakness and wisdom. And I think we have to be really smart. So, so moms with teenagers, dads with teenagers, if you haven't put blocks up on their tablets and phones, what you're telling them is, I think you're awesome and you're never going to screw up. I, listen, they're on an icy road. Teenage boys, especially. They're on an icy road and there's no guardrail and you're asking them to stay on the road unwise unwise it's not gonna happen it may but it's not real smart drunkenness it's not real smart it's not real smart because you lose control the actual definition of debauchery is an excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures how many times have y'all seen it some of y'all grew up in homes where your parents were drunks and they hit you because they lost control that's just, a, that's just another example of what it's like to cross out of what God wants for you. But listen, what does the end of that verse say? But be filled 
with the Spirit. That last, last song we sang was so good, wasn't it? Because it was specifically talking about what it means to live in the Spirit, right? What it really means to live in the Spirit. So look at me. Everybody just stay with me one second. We're almost done. Every person in here, you've made a decision in your life whether or not that you'll follow Jesus. Or maybe it's the first time you've ever heard him. That's awesome. But this is what it really means to follow Christ. Is you repent of what you've done wrong. Christ sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of you because he said, I'm going to send someone better. And he comes in and he saves me from my sins because of the finished work that Jesus did on the cross. And that blood was shed and not one drop was shed in vain. He, he did it for all of our sins if we'll trust him as Savior. But now here's the deal. He comes inside of me. And the way that I know, the way that I'm not foolish. And this is what you have to answer for yourself today. This is what you have to answer for yourself today. The way that I'm not foolish and the way that I stay in the guardrails is by the Holy Spirit just clearing his throat. Saying, Mark getting awful close dude y'all ever like if if i'm with patty and i'm talking to patty right now we're planning a surprise party for tika who's on the front row and so tika's not in the room but i'm talking to her and i'm like we're gonna just have this we're gonna have balloons we're gonna have this and tika walks in the room right and patty goes <clears throat> like i can't see her she just clears her throat y'all know what i'm talking about and like i know i'm supposed to stop right there oh my gosh i'm caught shouldn't have done that that's the holy spirit he speaks to us in a still small voice it's just like <clears throat> Listen, if you don't hear that, when you're doing something and you're towing the line, if you don't feel the Holy Spirit pulling you in, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. You're not. I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit always draws you near. And sometimes you get so far out, you don't, you, you don't even recognize Him anymore. And I, I, I get that. I get that. But if you never hear the Holy Spirit pulling you in and you just feel it, it's, I wish I could tell you, it's like, my son. It's not that. It's not that. I wish it was. It'd be easier, wouldn't it? But it's just guardrails. It's a matter of conscience. And listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Because I find this so amazing in John 14, verse 25 and 26. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper. Some of y'all need help, don't you? Some of y'all need help. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you how to stay in the guardrails all these things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. So listen, friends, if you're wandering aimlessly and there's there's terrible things on either side, the way that we stay in line is not by living a boring life. It's by allowing God through His Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And, and the truth is, some of you guys right now, you've listened to messages for weeks You've walked out of here and you said, I want to live for Christ. I want to be on fire for God. But you walk out and you don't have a plan. I will live how the Lord teaches me. And it's frustrating at times because he pulls stuff from my life and says, you've got to stop doing that. But it's not a life of rules. It's, it's a life of freedom in Christ. And so in just a second, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to honestly answer two questions with me as you stand. One. Do you know for sure that you know Jesus? And the way that I do is that I have trusted him as Savior by asking him to forgive me of my sins and placing all my hope in him. He sends his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of me and I become his church, the body of Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ because he dwells inside of us. 
And so you just need to answer that question, have you done that? Because if you haven't, there's no chance for guardrails. And then if you have, you said, Mark, I'm a Christian. I just want you to honestly answer. We got some people that would love to pray with you. You don't have to go back. But I just want you to honestly answer today. And if you don't, listen, pride will keep you from anything. I want you to honestly answer, Pastor Mark, that's me. Dude, I'm wandering aimlessly. Disaster waits for me, and at any moment, I'm going to fall. I need the Holy Spirit to draw me back in. Will you stand with me as we close? Bow your head and close your eyes with me. Guys, there's a difference between guilt. There's a difference between guilt and good, good drawing from the Holy Spirit. And that is if you have sinned in the past and God has forgiven you and you are still beating yourself up over it, that comes from Satan. That comes from Satan. That is not the Holy Spirit's job in your life. The Holy Spirit's job in your life is when you are aimless right now, he tries to pull you back in where you should be walking for Christ. And so you have to answer the question for yourself, am I free? Have I trusted Jesus as Savior? So for everybody in the room, will you just answer this honestly? Pastor Mark, I have, I know for sure that I follow Jesus as my Savior. I am saved, there's no doubt. I just want you to slip your hand up right now all over the room. If you know for sure, please be honest. If you know for sure that you're saved, if you know for sure that you're saved, not if you're lost, put your hands down. Thank you. How about, would everybody just look at me that didn't, I'm sorry, that didn't uh, raise their hand just now? Would you just look at me if you didn't raise your hand? There's several of you, okay? There's several of you. This is the question I gotta ask for you. Uh, Several people looking at me right now. Would anyone be bold enough to say, dude, I want freedom. I want freedom in Jesus Christ. I want freedom in Jesus Christ. Y'all are standing there together, and I believe the Holy Spirit's moving in your life. If you feel that pulling, that's him going, (coughs) right? Isn't that cool? That's him. I'm just asking you right now, will you step out? The people would love to move in your aisle. Will you step out? We have volunteers on either side waiting for you. And I'm just asking y'all if you'll just walk out right now and do it. Do it together. Go right now and do that, if you will. Go right now. There's several of you doing it. Will anyone step forward and say, I'm bold enough to do this right now? Listen, I'm telling you what sent what sent Satan out of heaven was simply pride. And that's what keeps so many people from trusting Christ boldness enough to take that first step and say, you know what, I will follow Jesus. So I want you to go right now, if you will, follow Jesus. For everybody else, for everybody else, this is the question. You know the Lord is moving in your heart right now because there are areas in your life that you know you're aimless and you're wandering and you want Christ to, or you want the Holy Spirit to pull you back in. Listen, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor Mark, that is me. Thank you. Who else? Pastor Mark, that's me. Honestly, I need the Holy Spirit to draw me back in. I need the Holy Spirit to draw me back in. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. God, I pray that you will move in hearts and lives of the people in this room that A, don't know you, and B, that are wandering aimlessly, and that you will change us forever. God, I believe that you want to do a crazy work in our lives that forever forever we serve you. God, if we walk as unwise and not as wise, living and assuming that we're going to be okay, we are not, God. There's danger all around us. But God, if we live in freedom in you and help you be our boundaries, it will be amazing. So God, help us as we go 
live for you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Y'all remain standing as we close.